How are we doing today, Wolfpack Nation? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports, the only student-ran podcast here on campus. Tyler, is there another student-ran podcast here on campus? No. I don't think so. Wait. No, I know Student-ran so. sports podcast. Yes. You are listening to the only one, and uh, we got some news for you today. We are going to go over some football we got where we will be playing with our bowl game, who we will be playing against, and where. And then we got women's basketball and men's basketball to get to as well as they have some important games coming up this week. And uh, stay tuned, guys. This is going to be a great episode. And we're back ready to rock and roll. Like I said, let's just get into some football. Let's uh, talk about some news that broke on Sunday. Yesterday. Sunday. Yesterday. Yesterday. Where we will be playing. Our bowl game is January 3rd. We're playing the in the uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise, Idaho against Ohio. We'll be playing on that blue turf field, but we will not be playing against the team, I guess, that we'd want to be playing against on that blue turf field. I would want to be playing Boise. But that's just me. I mean, wouldn't you rather be playing Boise than Ohio? I mean... In Boise, Idaho? Yeah, for a Mountain West championship. Yes. Boom. There you go. Me too. Um, Speaking of the Mountain West championship, uh, Boise took that home. Uh, Pretty handily. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't even a game against Hawaii. I may or may not have put some money on Hawaii just because the line was so crazy. (laughs) So I lost that. So... um, but yeah, that so congrats Gamble to Boise, I guess. Folks. Yes, always. Uh, congrats to Boise, folks. Probably should have been us in that uh, Mountain West Championship game, but it's always next year. We would have made it a game too, but I think yeah. so. Yeah. And um, but we'll be able to maybe see that next year. Maybe see what happens. Ohio, who will be playing on January third on that blue turf, is six and six, five and three in the MAC conference. I think they're tied for second place in their division, um, with like three other teams. But they're not bad, I guess. They don't have a really like a quality win, though. They won their last two games to get them bowl eligible, and now we will be playing them. They are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They are consistently outranked than us. They like ESPN's Football Power Index, they're ranked 75th. We're ranked 117th. Uh, Football Outsiders rankings, they're 57th, and we're 115. Ooh, so, that one hurts. Yeah, so... Some people have them as a completely better team than us. But I'll be interested to see what happens on January 3rd because I think we can come out with this one. I think they just don't have a quality win. They don't have enough competition against good teams where I think we have more quality wins. And I think the reason they're rated so high is just because of their winning record and their winning um, the w- amount of points they win games by. Yeah. Their winning margin, that's the word I was looking there for. There you go. Their winning margin is way higher than us because we have a, obviously like a losing margin of like 120, whatever. But that's why I think it's so different from the rankings. But I think we can have this one. Uh, six and a half point favorites, Ohio. I would take us in that bet because I think we're going to take care of business January 3rd. Um, but there's some breaking news uh, today. Peyton Dixon, or maybe it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Peyton Dixon, uh, he is a Bishop Minogue graduate. graduate, and he went to Fresno State. He got injured in fall camp, never saw a down, but with Fresno State's coach stepping down, Tedford stepping down, then he put his name into the transfer portal. 
he could come home. He could he could be coming home. That'd be a nasty nasty backfield if we had Peyton Dixon, Toa, and Devontae Lee. Devontae, dirty. That would be probably the best backfield in Mountain West. Oh yeah, but bar none. Because he Peyton Dixon would give us the the necessity that we need that we don't quite get from Toa and Devontae Lee, and that's just pure speed. Yeah, that's just pure like get him on the outside edge and just let him work. And I think that if he transferred, he would get immediate eligibility. Like, I know that by rules he'd have to sit a year, but I think you could, obviously they've been giving out waivers, like, left and right for people that to become eligible within their first year, and I think he'd qualify. I mean, he didn't even play it down his entire freshman year. He was injured, so I think they would give him eligibility his first year, and then if he came here and played next year, oof, watch out. That would be nasty. But we will obviously have to wait and see where he goes, but hopefully he can come home and play in front of his home crowd that uh, would desperately love to see him in the silver and blue. Next up, women's basketball. Not the best game that happened on Saturday. Not by a long shot. It was good through the first three and a half quarters. Yeah, I mean, we were we were winning um, at half. I think we were up by five, yep, going into half. But we lost to Air Force on Saturday, 61 to 68. We are now four and three on the year, 0 and one in conference play. Like you said, we started off really strong. I think it was like the first half. I thought we were we're gonna run away with it. Um, we were shooting the ball very well. Our defense was kind of lacking, which is something that we've, I mean, not always seen in the beginning of the season. We were forcing a lot of turnovers. But you look in this game, Air Force forced a lot of turnovers on us, and that is something that we desperately need to clean up in the future. We had 17 turnovers. Pretty much everyone that stepped on the court or played significant minutes had a turnover. Deja Hamilton had three. Jenna Williams had three. Amaya West had three. Nia Alexander had three. And then Amani Lacey and Essence Booker each had two. So turnovers is something that we're going to have to clean up. But, I mean, you look at that fourth quarter, and I think that's what it comes down to for sure. I mean – we just couldn't score in the fourth. We had no one to give the ball to in the the fourth quarter because Essence Booker, who has been consistently our leading scorer, went two for nine from the field and only had eight points, and she fouled out. So Yeah. I mean, it was a garbage time foul right. out, but, but still. she had four, and her play was very restricted during that game because yeah. she had four fouls. Exactly. And then that brings up the point that we've said multiple times on this podcast, who steps up? Who steps up in her place? I mean, we saw Nia Alexander step up, but that's she's more of like a down low. She's more of a down low force. I mean, Nia Alexander had eight points, fourteen rebounds in this game. Our career high, career yeah, crazy. That is very very impressive. Then you have Marguerite Effa giving her eight rebounds. That's mainly where our bulk of our rebounds come from. But Amani Lacy, thirteen points, six rebounds. Besides Essence and Amani Lacy, who who do we go to down in the stretch? to make sure that we win these types of games. Because 7.53 left in the game, fourth quarter, 7 minutes, 53 seconds left. Nia Alexander had a layup, extended the lead to five points in the fourth. With only eight minutes left, we had the lead. Next six minutes, we didn't score one point. Not one point until 1.19 left in the game. That sealed it. That put us in the casket. We were done after that point. And it's like, we've been saying it multiple times, who are we going to give the ball to down the stretch to like to lean on. Uh, maybe it's Deja Hamilton, who had 10 points. Maybe it's Amani Lacey, Nia Alexander, but we just don't have that 
prolific scorer outside of Essence Booker, and we saw that when she only plays 17 minutes like she did on Saturday, the team's going to suffer. Yeah, I mean, we've been harping on it all season. That secondary player needs to come from someone. I thought it was going to be someone down low. It kind of looked like Imani Lacey in this game. Uh, but even then, I mean, when you go six mi- almost it was close to six and a half minutes yeah. in that fourth quarter, and mm-hmm. you don't score a point, Air Force goes on an 11-0 run in that sequence. Uh, we only score eight points total in the fourth quarter um, to Air Force's 19. Yeah. So it's just something that when Essence it has to sit because she is in foul trouble, yeah, who do we give the ball to? And right now it's that question is still up in the air. It's still a by-committee thing. Just someone on this team really just has to step up and – figure it out because, I mean, we had this game on lock. We should have won this game easily in Virginia Street Gym. You know, it was a great environment. A lot of fans came out to that game, a very, like, close-knit type of setting in VSG. Yeah, it, yeah. it was very loud uh, the last couple of minutes of the game when it was close. But, yeah, that hurts. And then the turnovers, too. We had, I think, three turnovers in the last, like, two minutes of the game that really just put us away to, uh, to go along with that scoring drought in the fourth quarter. So um, a good three and a half quarters of basketball by the girls, but then just kind of breaking down in the fourth, definitely something that needs to be addressed coming up. Well, and getting to the line, too, you see Air Force got to the free throw line 20 times. We got to the free throw line seven times. That's a huge discrepancy between getting to the free throw line between the two teams. We had, I mean, we converted five of those seven free throws, but... You're not getting the free throw line. Those are easy, easy, just give me points they, that every team needs. And we struggled a lot get, just being able to get to the line. Deja Hamilton had three steals, 10 points, two assists, all right game from her. But I just don't know, like you've been saying, like I just don't know who the other person could be besides Essence Booker. I'm thinking it's going to be start like be Monty Lacey. Yeah. It has to be. Because – She's the only other one that's really taken the load on her back and be like, this is my team. Like, when Essence was out, she's like, all right, just feed me the ball. Just let me go to work. And, I mean, she got a good amount of points, 13 points, but we definitely need someone else to step up when Essence is out. And I think Amanda Levins and company has kind of some searching to do because Air Force is one of the bottom teams in the Mountain West for women's basketball. They're not that good. Yeah. We should be beating this team. Yeah. So... I think there's some figuring out to do, and we have a chance at that tomorrow. Stanislaus State. Tomorrow at Lawler. It's going to be an early one, 11 a.m. So, you know, get out. If you don't work, get out there. 11 a.m. on a on a Tuesday? If you don't work, get out there. You I'm, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, take a sick day. Right. Just call in sick. Tell them the pack's playing. They'll understand. Yeah. yeah I mean, who, who wouldn't understand? But Stanislaus is a D2 team who was predicted to finish 10th in the CCAA. If you did not Uh know what that is, yeah, if you did not know, I mean, because I did not until now, is the California Collegiate Athletic Association, D2 conference, and uh, they were predicted to finish 10th out of, I think, 13 teams. Definitely not the best. No. No, not by any chance. But they are ranked 5th in the CCAA right now. It says an exhibition on their schedule when you go to their website. It says that this game's an exhibition, but it doesn't say it for us. So I think it's just a regular game. But Yeah, we're going to go with a regular game. Yeah. Because if they want to – I mean, if we whoop them and they try to say it's an exhibition, like, that's a win right. off our record. Definitely. And we should – I mean, we should take care of business. Last year, we beat this team 75-52. to 52. While it's not the worst CCAA team out there, no matter who we play in the double C, double A – we should beat. Yeah. And we should beat this team by a lot. 
their best – I mean, UC Davis and UC San Diego, I think, are, like, the best couple teams in that conference, and they're not – I mean, they're good, but they're not who we sh- we usually play, and we should beat this team by a lot. I say – I keep it around, like, the 20-point mark. I say we beat them, like, 74, 54-ish. I that's but, fair. But I think, I think that someone else besides Essence steps up. And I'm not – saying that we won't be successful until we find it, but I'm thinking we're going to struggle in the Mountain West until we find someone else that could step up and score the ball. This whole, like, scoring by committee thing is cool, but until you find, like, a true, like, we're not going to be able to win games. You don't have – if you don't have a true scorer besides Essence Booker, we're not going to be able to win games. The scoring by committee obviously isn't the most powerful way to win games, and we're just – I just think we're going to struggle until we find someone else. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of – it's a good thing, you know, that we have this preseason to kind of figure this out right. too before we start Mountain West play. Because I agree, if we get to Mountain West and we're still having these same issues, it's probably going to be a long Mountain West play for these ladies. Um, just need someone to step up. But yeah, I think we take care of business tomorrow at home at Lawler. Um, I'm going to go in the 80s. I think we win like 84 to like 59. I think we absolutely route this team. I think Essence has a big, big game. And I think. Dom Phillips kind of has a big game. That's my a little bold prediction for yeah. this game is Dom Phillips goes off 10-plus uh, points, uh, over six rebounds, um, and she does some work down low. But, yeah, I think this should be an easy game, a kind of a bounce-back game for the pack after losing a tight one at Air Force. Uh, they'll be pumped up to play at home back in Lawler, uh, and it should be a good, fun one to watch. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is it should be a good, like, bounce-back game because we've we've lost two in a row now to – Stephen F. Austin, who we lost by, uh, what was that, 15. And then we lost, obviously, to Air Force by 7. So I think this is going to be a bounce-back game because we desperately need a win. And another cool thing about the game tomorrow is it's the When I Grow Up game and oh, where we have right. the, yes, the yes. students come out and do all that kind of thing. So that's fun because there's, like, tons of students that come out. Not you and our students, obviously. I'm talking about, Elementary like, school, yeah, like, like, middle school students. Right. Yeah. So they all come out. And, it's a big field trip day. Right, and it's all free. So if you, it's, like, free to the public. Just, like, come in and watch, basically. Like you don't have to pay anything to watch this um, women's basketball game. So why the heck not would you go? Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. free. You might as well. So go and watch this game in Lawler tomorrow at 11 a.m. And then looking even more ahead to a very – very difficult game come Saturday. Salt Lake City, 10.30 a.m. Get your coffee, make your eggs and bacon, and watch this women's team take on Utah Pac-12 team who is pretty darn good. We've played them four years in a row, or this will be our fourth year in a row. Three years ago, we lost by a score of uh, 50 to 80, 30 points. So, yeah. um, But then Two years ago, we got a little bit better. We only lost by 26 points, 87 to 61. Bring it back. And then last year, we lost by 22, 74 to 52. So what I'm thinking is we're getting better every single year. Uh huh. Fourth time's a charm. I like it. We beat this team in Salt Lake City, Utah, Saturday. What do you think? Ah, I don't, <laughs> yeah. know. I don't know. I mean, as much as I love to see it, I mean, Utah is just a very good Pac-12 team. And yes. they're in a very, very good Pac-12 conference this year that has been you Crazy. know, on the up and up for the past couple of years now. Yeah, the Pac-12, just listen to these numbers a little bit. R- number one ranked team in the country. Used to be Oregon, but now it's Stanford. So it's like... Oh, it is. Yeah. I didn't even know. Oregon lost. Oh. Yeah. 
So then, but then they didn't they didn't drop much. They dropped to number three. Three, yeah. So they have the number one ranked team in the country, the number three ranked team in the country, the number five ranked team in the country, and then they also have the rank ranked eleventh team in the country and twentieth. So they have five top twenty teams in, in the Pac-12 one conference alone. That's crazy. So Utah, while they're gonna they have a pretty good non-conference schedule, they're I think they're gonna have trouble. <laughs> When they face, you know, all these really good teams they have to face in the Pac-12, they're five and three right now. Uh, they opened up the year with three straight losses to Cincy, Xavier, and then South Dakota, and then they have won five in a row. Their most impressive being the win over BYU. They won that game seventy-seven to seventy-three. So while this team is in a very, very good conference, they are not the best uh, Pac-12. Obviously, the the best Pac-12 team that women's basketball has in that conference but I think that um it's going to be a good game I don't think that we're going to get blown out by 20 and I honestly I don't know if we're going to win but yeah I I mean I think it's going to be a close turning game back on your prediction now I just think it's going to be a close game and I think it's going to be a fun game to watch yeah n- nonetheless because we have played this team so many times that we definitely know their DNA now and um but I I think it's a close game I think we only lose by eight but we we make it a close game and that's all you can really do against a team this high-powered and this talented, honestly. Yeah, I was going to go on this, along the same lines. I say we lose by 10 or 12. I think it's a close game through uh, a quarter or two, and then at halftime, Utah makes some adjustments, and they really come out firing. Um, but it, honestly, I know we're both not big fans of quote-unquote moral victories, but I think if we can keep this Utah game pretty close, it might be a good you know stepping stone where we you know competed really well with a good Pac-12 team and a great Pac-12 conference mm-hmm. um, at, on the road. I think that could be a great stepping stone for um, later down the season when we play some of our tougher Mountain West opponents on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I think we lose by 10 or 12. I think it's going to be a close game in the beginning, but uh, Utah's just too high-powered, and we probably can't overcome that. I agree. Yeah, Brenna Maxwell is a name to look for. Number 11, she is their leading scorer, and she also contributes on the boards as well. So watch out for her come Saturday, like I said, 10.30 a.m. in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we'll see how we do. Um, But don't forget about the game tomorrow in the morning, 11 a.m. at Lawler against Stanislaus State, and uh, we'll most likely be able to get a win against them as well. And then look to some men's basketball because they had a very good weekend against Air Force, beating them 100-85. to Did what the women's team couldn't do, and that is beat the Falcons. Uh, we're now 7-3 and and 1-0 and in conference play. Again, another road win. I mean, this team is absolutely rolling. That is five games in a row now. All the wins have been by double figures, an average win margin of 20 points. We are one of the best shooting teams in the country, I think, uh, three-point percentage, we're at like 10th or something like that, top 10. And um, Jazz Johnson, obviously, has been the leader behind that. And then Jalen Harris, who has been hot as all heck over the past five games, career-high 31 points. He also had six rebounds and two assists. But I think the bigger storyline, obviously, Jalen, with a career-high points is great. But I think the other storyline is Lindsey Drew having absolutely a monster game against Air Force as well. 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. Stuffing the stat sheet like he always does. Great win against Air Force. I think our offense is clicking on all cylinders right now. And just watch out. Because this team, when it is hot, we are hot. I mean, Jazz Johnson, 14 points, 
Zane Meeks, 13 points. Uh, Nizre Zuzwa, 12 points. Kane Milling with a career-high 9 points, three threes that he knocked down. Out-rebounded Air Force by 9. Just we, we just did everything right against Air Force. And I think that if we, obviously Air Force is not a top team in the conference, but playing like that, playing that style of offense... As long as our defense gets better, our offense is going to maintain around the same level that we're playing at now. As long as our defense gets better, I think the Mountain West should watch out. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can shoot over 55% from three-point land for the entire game, that's mm-hmm. you know something crazy to hang your hat on. But yeah, this was a dominant performance, mostly by Jalen Harris. I mean, yeah. he just absolutely exploded a new career high. Um, six for six from the line, a three for five from three, 11 for 17 from the field. I mean, just absolutely crazy numbers to be putting up especially on the road at mm-hmm. uh not a very easy place to play either in air force yeah um so really good to see him nizre zuzwa also having a pretty decent game you know gets 12 off the bench five rebounds yeah. um so another solid game uh points contribution for nizre off the bench and then you also see zane meeks really you know showing out in this game three for six from beyond the arc for 13 in his 13 minutes which was uh very impressive for me to see definitely so yeah this team is just clicking on all cylinders right now whatever happened in the virgin islands and yeah whatever team meeting that they had after that um davidson that davidson yeah that davidson game must have you know really worked because i mean this team's been hot ever since yeah and the only downside about how this team is playing is the personal fouls um we're constantly in foul trouble by at least a couple people on our team um zane meeks had four Jalen harris had four kj himes had five again uh fouled out so while we are playing at a very high level i think there are always something that we could you know improve on and personal fouls i think would be one of them i saw a conversation floating around twitter that i thought would be cool to bring up is Someone was talking about an at-large bid for Nevada. Ooh. And I said, and right when I saw it, my mind immediately just went, pump the brakes there, <laughs> buddy. All right, an at-large bid for this team? Are you, I mean, yeah. calm, calm it down. You know what I mean? Just calm it down for a little bit. Because if you look at our schedule, um, those losses to uh, Utah, USC, and Davidson, while they are decent losses, um, Utah would probably be one we'd need back for an at-large bid. And then probably splitting one, you know, the USC or Davidson game. But you look at these next three games, and I think I don't want to sound dramatic, but our season rests on these three games. It, at least if we're talking that, yeah, we're talking about bids. an at-large bid, yes. Because you have BYU, Texas Southern, St. Mary's, all three really decent teams. Uh, BYU, St. Mary's, arguably both March Madness teams. And so when you look at this, and you say if we can win two out of these next three games. I mean, you're looking at a pretty solid shot to maybe possibly get an at-large bid, depending on how we do against the Mountain West Conference. Obviously, that's that requires splitting one against Utah State. That probably requires splitting one against uh, Boise and San Diego State. But a lot of things would need to happen. But the team is playing very well, and we have some decent wins to show on a resume. Yeah, I mean... Anytime you get a streaky team that's, you know, hot and cold shooting like we are, uh, anytime you get hot, you kind of hear these, you know, exacerbated claims about at-large bids and stuff like that. Um, Just know that they probably can't shoot like this forever. They're going to need to work on a couple other things. Uh, 
to win more games and find other ways to win besides shooting 56% from the three-point line. Uh, but I agree. I think the BYU one is huge. I think Texas Southern is actually going to be bigger than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. And then the neutral site against St. Mary's is going to be a very, very tough game. Yeah. St. Mary's just recently beating Utah State at mm-hmm. home. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. This next three, if we were to get an at-large bid, if we're looking this, you know, if we're looking ahead, you know, to late February um, when they start, you know, making all the projections – uh, these three games, we're going to have to at least win two out of three if you want that at large. Uh, three of three would be I- absolutely ideal, but two right. of three if we're even you know in the vicinity of getting an at large. Yeah, it would be a cool to see a win against St. Mary's at the, was that, the Chase Center? The Chase Center. Yeah, uh, that would be great. That would be absolutely amazing for them to get that win, and that would be, be kind of like a resume builder for sure, like hang your hat on that St. Mary's win. Who's a, who's a pretty good team. I mean, they we saw we did what they did against uh, Utah State, but Mountain West is going to be hard as well. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But definitely, you know, an at-large is not dead. That is for sure. No, but yeah. I think the easiest route would be just to win the Mountain West Conference Championship and get in, but that way. But um, we'll see how the season turns out, and we'll be here to give you guys all the updates as it happens. But BYU, we play them, like we said, tomorrow at BYU, 6 p.m. Last year they went 19-13, and 13, lost in the first round of the WCC championship to UCSD. This year they were picked to finish third in the conference behind St. Mary's and Gonzaga. They started the season 7-4 and four now with wins over UCLA, Houston, and Virginia Tech. They lost to Boise in OT, San Diego State, and then Utah in OT as well. So they have some familiarity with Mountain West teams already. TJ Haas, though, that's a name we're going to have to look out for as we travel to BYU tomorrow. A senior point guard, they play pretty much their entire offense through him. He's averaging 12 points a game, third on the team. He also has 47 assists on the year, which leads the team. The real big storyline, I feel like, is Yoli Childs who was suspended for the first nine games of the season because when he withdrawed from the uh, draft, he didn't, like, clear, like, the certain amount of paperwork. The waivers, yeah, yeah some about paperwork. So he was suspended for the first nine games, but he's back now. And then Jake Toulson, they're the other kind of two weapons for BYU. Childs, 6'8 forward. He was obviously, like I said, suspended for the first nine games. Uh, but he since he's been back, he's averaging 21 points a game. He's only played two games since he's been back. Toulson, another senior guard for this team, is second on the team in points per game and assists. BYU ranks 22nd in the country in field goal percentage at 49.4 and 7th in the country in three-point percentage at 42%. So if you like shooting and you like scoring, tune into this game tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of it. Do you think we get the win against BYU do you have uh kind of some things we have to focus on when we do travel to Utah and um try to get this win against BYU yeah I think the matchup down low with Shields is going to be the biggest thing for us I mean we have you know we've seen teams that have not been as good and we've struggled guarding their big men when they do have good big men down low and I think he's going to be kind of a problem for our bigs especially with you know KJ getting into so much foul trouble lately um, John Carlos and then uh, Robbie also 
so, you know, foul trouble is going to be a big thing like you've been talking about throughout the season, um, especially on Shields. And I think just trying to limit what TJ Haas does for this team, uh, he's their guy. He's yeah. their Lindsey Drew. He's, you know, who this team plays through, and he's kind of that point general for BYU. I mean, he has 47 assists on the year leading the team. So it shows you, you know, how good of a passer he is and how good he sets his teammates up for success. So I think kind of limiting him and what he can do for this team is would be big, but I think the biggest thing is the battle down low, uh, winning the rebound battle and then trying to stay out of foul trouble as well. And if we can do those two things, I do think we can squeak this one out. BYU is, you know, a pretty good team, but, um, you know, if we, you know, take care of business and really, you know, hammer in those two things, I think we win. I'm going to say 75-73, very close one in um, Utah. Definitely. And I think the biggest matchup that we have to look for is Yoli Childs. This dude it can flat-out play. There was a reason he was thinking about going to the league last year. It, this dude can just straight-out ball. And I think that's who we have to key on most is Yoli down low. Is like, who's going to play defense against him? Yeah, I'm kind of skeptical of the way that uh, John Carlos can play defense. I'm kind of skeptical about how all of our bigs can play defense. K.J. Himes, if he can stay out of foul trouble, is decent at it. But I think that we have to give the nod to Zane Meeks. I think we have to say, you know what? Guard their best player down low and see what he see what Zane can do. Like, just give him that pressure now and see if he can actually, like, back it up and, you know, just see what he can do. I mean, Yoli Childs, in his last game against Utah, they did lose 102-95, to but he, Yoli Childs only played 25 minutes, and he dropped 29 points. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. I mean, seven rebounds, 29 points. He only played 25 minutes, a very efficient 12 for, for 16 from the field. So he's definitely going, while they do obviously run their offense through TJ Haas, who's the facilitator, the Lindsey Drew, like you said, they definitely like to score through Yoli Childs, score through uh, their post play down low. And that's where we struggle the most. So if we can get help down low, I think our shooting is going to be able to kind of elevate our team over BYU. Like we said, we have to split or at least go two for three in these next three games. And I think BYU is going to be a win tomorrow night. I think we win by – it's going to be a close game, though. There's no way we blow them out like we've been blowing out these other teams. I say we win by, like, five. I could see the score being high because this – BYU can score, we can score. I think it's 86-81. We win. And um but it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think this these are two teams that are just going to score at will and I think that our team's going to come out on top just because um I just think our scoring's just too hot right now. I think Jalen's going to take over and I think Jazz is going to do what he does best and I think Nizray is showing a lot of upside as well. So, I think this team is playing up and I think we're going to beat BYU. Um, tomorrow and then we have a break for a little bit we don't play texas southern until next wednesday so uh tuesday is our last game for at least a week and we'll be able to recap this byu game next week monday i am out of town on friday so we will not be releasing an episode on friday we'll be able to recap all the basketball games as well as previewing that ohio bowl game on monday as well Tyler, do you have any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Yes, I do. Uh, oh, here we go. He's, oh, he's excited about this. Oh yeah, no, I've been I've been waiting for this one over the <laughs> over this past weekend. As you probably know, it was a UNR winter graduation. 
just a quick shout out to some of the graduates. Ooh. We had 21 student athletes graduate in the winter term. So props to them. You have yes. Malik Brody, Dom Christian, Fossum, Lawson Hall, Isaiah Hamilton, David Harvey, Dalen Johnson, Jackson Kincaid, EJ Muhammad, Pasai Sakuna, Kevin Spencer, all from football, all graduated in the winter. So props to them. Sam Harn from golf. Kaylee Sargent from softball, Audrey Barham from soccer, Adriana Gregola Tavoya from tennis. Nice. Martha Ruiz, uh, Claire Crowley, Brandy French, Gabby Palmer, Carolyn Sauer, and Alexis Downey. Shout out to those 21 for graduating in the winter. It is very tough to graduate college, as we all know. Oh, yeah. Um, especially being a student athlete. So I just want to give props to them and let's win some uh, basketball games this week. And speaking of graduates, uh, Lucas Weber has been selected to the uh, all-academic, all-American team. And I think that's the first time since uh, 2013 that any grad or any Wolfpack athlete has been named to the academic all-American team. And I think it's been even longer since a football player has done it. So Mm -hmm. congrats to Lucas Weber. Obviously, the ultimate sign of a student athlete is being able to um, excel both in the classroom and on the field. And that's what Lucas Weber did best was excel in the classroom and on the field, as we've seen before. Great games this week, and we'll be able to recap them all next week on Monday. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And like always, let's go Pack.